So like I said, we spent the entire weekend uh, really unpacking the um, entire chapter, chapter, chapter 12, but we wanted to kind of just give a little snapshot of it and kind of see what it says to us, not only as a church body, not only as a student, as a student ministry, but also as um, individuals seeking to daily be transformed by, by, by Christ. Now, just to give you all a little heads up, so the students have been hearing from a guy who was a uh, D1 high school basketball prospect, uh, has like the deepest voice that you have ever heard, and so just know that they are like in shell shock right now hearing somebody preach who um, is not uh, six foot two and bringing it. So um, just uh, pray for them as uh, they have to hear from me for a long time. So um, we are in Romans 12. Um, if y'all will look at verse verse 1, where um, it calls us to sacrifice. That's the first thing I want us to look at, is that in verse 1, Paul does not do the infomercial style preaching, where he gives us the full list of um, attributes of a Christian, what, um, what everything will look like once you walk it out. He goes ahead and lays out the cost of the item. Um, if you've ever seen an infomercial, typically you find out what the problem is, right? It's like, oh, that's a vacuum cleaner, but you don't want to vacuum like that. Let's, we changed it. And so it is so good now, and your life will be changed for the low, low price of whatever in monthly payments plus shipping and handling. Paul goes ahead and gives us that cost right there at the start of this passage. And he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We are called to sacrifice, and sacrifice costs us all something. When you hear the word sacrifice, you know there is a cost, and there's multiple parts to that sacrifice that I want us to take a quick look at. The first thing that he calls us to sacrifice uh, is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, right? So our bodies. We need to, as Christians, as, as followers of Jesus, we don't just need to make a bunch of sacrifices in our head and feel like we are making all of these sacrifices. Our lives have to be evidently different from everybody else. That's not something that we just think about. That's not something that we just meditate on. That is something that impacts the way that we speak. It impacts what we take in, what we see. It, um, it um, impacts what we do. It impacts where we go. It impacts how we spend our time. So our bodies are a testament to the sacrifice that we make to, to, to God. So he doesn't say present just your mind. Present your bodies as living sacrifice. The whole body, it needs to be evident that you are a follower of Jesus. The second thing he mentions there is that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Now, a lot of us are, um, actually, all of us are capable of putting ourselves in a room and being present in the room. That's not hard. That's a very low Bar. We can be present absolutely anywhere, but we don't just want to be a zombie robot who is mindlessly 
checking boxes on Sundays or Wednesdays or um, showing up to a Bible study and kind of phoning it in. We don't want to phone in our faith. When we present our bodies as living sacrifices, we want to be living sacrifices. We are living our lives. When we are transformed, our lives don't stop at the point of, trans- of transformation. We live our lives. We present our bodies as living sacrifices. The next way he describes that sacrifice is holy. We are called as followers of Jesus to be set apart, holy, holy, set apart. There uh, are 43 verses in the uh, book of Exodus chapter 39 that break down how the priesthood is to be set apart from the rest of God's people, down to the thread that they use for their garments, down to how many jewels and what kinds of jewels that the priesthood would put in their garments. That was because God was setting the Levites, setting his priesthood apart from the rest of the people so that they would be holy and set apart from even the uh, people of Israel who were already a people set apart. And so um, God is all about us being set apart. In Colossians 3, Paul says we are holy and dearly loved, and we are to clothe ourselves with with compassion, with kindness, with gentleness, and with humility. So clothing ourselves, whether it is literally or figuratively, can set us apart. In the Old Testament, it was literally, the priesthood was literally setting themselves apart, whereas in Colossians, Paul is asking us to clothe ourselves with these things to be set apart from the world. And so we are called to be holy. So our sacrifice is not meant to be whatever we have left. It is meant to be set apart And then lastly, it is meant to be acceptable to God. Present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, if you read that at first and you see holy and acceptable to God, it might seem a little bit uh, redundant to have holy and acceptable to God in the same sentence because if we're called to be set apart and and our sacrifice is set apart and holy, then that would be acceptable to God. But what does that statement do for us? It reminds us that God is the reason for all of those things. We We are presenting our bodies as sacrifices because of the mercies of God. We are presenting our bodies as living sacrifices because of God. God is accepting those sacrifices, not because it atones for any sin at all, but because it is an act of worship that glorifies him. Our lives are worship as we live for him. So the first thing, we are called to sacrifice as an act of worship. That is living our lives is meant to be an act of worship. Second thing I want us to look at is that we aren't just challenged to sacrifice, but we are also challenged to live a transformed life. Paul knew the people he was talking to, and he, and he probably knew that this was a timeless thing, that we are influenced by the culture around us. So he immediately follows that up with, do not conform, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Now, it is very, very, very easy for us to conform to the people um, around us, whether, whether we are in a workplace environment, whether we are in a school environment, whether we are in a home environment. We can conform to the habits and patterns of our families sometimes as well, and he challenges us to live a transformed life. We are pretty fascinated with, trans- with transformations. We love it. I mentioned um, infomercials um, earlier. I've also mentioned um, when I've preached in the past that I didn't have cable as a kid, and that just made a really big um, impact on my life because I've already mentioned it twice. And so when I would wake up on Saturdays to watch cartoons. I would wake up early because in the mornings there were these um, hour-long infomercials. I'm a marketer's dream. You present something to me that's new and improved. I don't know why it needed to be improved, but it has been, so that's great. And I loved kind of, because the um, infomercial would kind of start out as a little story, like it would, it would kind of walk you through all these people who don't know how to operate blenders or, or vacuum or who need to go through a weight loss transformation, something. You're watching all these stories, and the main thing that sells these things are the are the before and the after pictures, right? We love it. We, we love seeing where you started and where you um, end up. What a lot of these commercials do not d- d- do is they do not show you a lot of the time uh, before, and uh, they usually show you like day one. Let's say if it's a weight loss commercial, they usually show you like day one and like day 180. But just think if they showed you day one and day two, when you're, when you're hangry, you've lost zero weight, you're frustrated, and you look probably the same, just tired. And so you are just, we don't see those pictures a lot. But there was one, there was one, um, there was one um, infomercial for an um, organization called Ginny Jenny, Jenny Craig. Has anybody um, heard of that? Is that still a... Okay, according to their website, they are uh, the uh, number one weight loss program for the past 12 years. I don't know who, who actually measures that, but they are number one. So they had, this, they had this commercial that after each testimony, the um, announcer would, would, would come back and say, you need Jenny Craig. And so um, it was just over and over and over again. It was talking to the people in the audience, right? You need it. So as an impressionable young preschooler in church um, who kind of had a weird mix of recall of things that I heard and speech patterns, I would come into church and I would start telling everybody that I saw, you need Jenny Craig. You need Jenny Craig. You need Jenny Craig. And my sweet Sunday school teacher um, heard me say it and said, whoa, 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 hold on. We don't need to be going around telling people that. But I was fascinated by trans, 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 transformation um, stories. And we are fascinated by it. If you think about if you think about butterflies, we put cute little caterpillars on lunch boxes. We put cute little butterflies on backpacks. How many cocoon lunch boxes um, have we seen, right? Right? Okay, so the process is often overlooked, right? We overlook the process a lot. But Paul is forthright here in verse 2 when he says, 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and what is acceptable and perfect. When we are transformed, that is an incredible marker in our life. It's an incredible marker in our spiritual journey. It's that aftershot, right? It's that beautiful aftershot. But after every aftershot in that Jenny Craig commercial, after every butterfly comes out of the cocoon, they then live their life. They don't just stop living right then. Maybe butterflies do, I don't know, cocoons are kind of crazy, but you keep going. You keep on living that life. I told a couple of our students who made some life-changing decisions this weekend, this is gonna be a marker that you will remember forever, but this moment right here is the beginning of a lifetime of following after Jesus. We don't make this decision and then we stop. This is something that God will use for the rest of your life. It is the beginning of an amazing journey as you grow in your relationship with Christ. And so we celebrate that moment, we highlight that moment, we remember that moment, but we don't stay in that moment. When we are, trans when, when we are transformed, as it says in verse two, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We will mess up in that discernment. We will mess up in choosing what is good and um, acceptable and perfect. But as we continue to be transformed over and over and over again, as we choose daily to be renewed, God makes us look more and more like him. He who began a good work in us will see that work to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And so for Christians, we can look, for, for followers of Jesus, we can look ahead to that day of completion. But each and every day, we can choose to be more and more renewed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so we are challenged to live transformed, not stay in that first transformational moment. And the last thing I want us to look at here is in verses nine through 15, we kind of get into the nuts and the bolts of what it looks like to live that Christian life, to live life as a follower of Christ. As, as Paul continues in chapter 12, um, he opens that verse nine with a choice to let love be genuine, to be genuine in that love. And I think that is one of the easiest things for us to say, and it is also one of the easiest things for us to totally ignore, because as it, as it goes on, especially in verses 14 and 15, it starts to step on our toes a little bit. We love, we love, we love, we love verse 13, where it says, contribute to the needs of the saints and show um, hospitality. We are Baptists, we love hospitality, we love potlucks, we love meal trains, we love prayer requests, and all of those are amazing, and they are a part of our life as the body of Christ. But immediately after verse 13, he says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. And that's when it gets a little messy for us. That's when it gets much, much harder. What happens when someone who has hurt you posts a celebratory post on Facebook and you click like, but ooh, you aren't thinking like. You do not like that. You are not celebrating with that person. 
What happens when somebody who hurts you goes through a loss? When they go through something hard, maybe, maybe, maybe even something hard that maybe you were a part of. We get very, very comfortable um, showing this unconditional love to people that are easy to love, but the rubber really meets the road when we have to show unconditional love to people that are hard to like and hard to love, but we are called to do it. It is a a transformational process for us because our flesh does not want to do do it. So that's why Paul in verse 13, immediately, obviously, body of Christ, we are to love each other. Acts 2, they uh, grew together day by day as they joined together and they had everything in common. But what about the people who you don't have a lot in common with? What about the people who don't look like you, talk like you, agree with what you agree with? It gets very, very, very messy, especially in a world where we can post something and then kind of walk away and not have to deal with a lot of the um, effects of it, right? We can get very toxic very, very, very quickly. And sometimes, as our speaker noted this weekend, sometimes Christians are the worst offenders in our media world. And so, um, and so we can be challenged by Paul here in chapter 12, verse 14 and 15, to bless those who persecute us and bless them. Do not curse them because that is immediately our fleshly reaction. But when we are transformed, when we are living that transformed life, we choose to love. And it's not a passive love. It is an active, active, sacrificial love. It goes back to the sacrifice right there at the beginning. Paul says, hey, I told you it was going to be a sacrifice, but it is holy and it is pleasing and it will set you apart and it will be messy and it will be hard and it will be uncomfortable and it's going to be really hard to do once and then do again, but I am calling you to live a transformed life. But that's kind of the gospel in a little bit of a nutshell, right? God loved us when we were very unlovable, probably unlikable. I know I probably was and am, who knows. But God loved us in spite of ourselves, in spite of our sin, in spite of everything that we do on a daily basis to turn our backs on him, even as followers of Christ. Even as followers of Christ, sometimes we are acting like our old selves, But the gospel is that Jesus came in spite of all of these things. He lived a perfect life because he loved us. He paid that ultimate sacrifice for us so that then our sacrifice is an act of worship to him. Our sacrifice daily of following after him is not what saves us. What saves us is what Jesus did on the cross for us. And that pays for our sin, and then the rest is worshiping and honoring God and doing as he commands. Now, for Christians in the room, for followers of Jesus who have already made that intentional decision to follow after Christ, to live a transformed life, let me ask you a question, because in this verse it says, or um, in this chapter it says, to outdo each other in showing honor to um, each other. Now, we, like, there's probably a lot of competitive people in this room. We had a lot of games played over this weekend. There were some very spicy championship rounds, and um, we love to compete. But I wonder 
how much more do we compete with each other in trying to maybe outdo our neighbors, maybe in a Christmas light, passive-aggressive competition, maybe who can have the sharpest edges in that flower bed, maybe who can throw a branch over the fence every so often, whatever these little competitions are. Maybe we're outdoing our coworkers in performing. Maybe we're outdoing classmates for grades or family members. Maybe there's a little bit of sibling rivalry or or, uh, 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 child-parent rivalry or something. How often do we, how much time do we spend on rivalries with other people on things that are totally of the flesh, totally selfish, selfish things? And how much time do we spend trying to outdo each other in loving somebody unconditionally? How often do we try to outdo each other in honoring somebody besides ourselves? How often do we push each other to do that? I would argue we are probably not as good at it as we should be. Let's just, let's just probably say it like that. It's probably a little bit uh, uh, more harsh if we looked at the truth I know in my own personal life. And maybe for those of you in the room who are not followers of Jesus, maybe if you have looked like a follower of Jesus for a while, you're very good at checking all the boxes, very good at checking the Sunday morning, Wednesday night, uh, small group boxes, or maybe you have never had an encounter with Jesus that led to that life transformation. Formation. The Spirit is moving in your life, and all we have to do is listen. Because the, because the gospel is this, like we said. Jesus came and lived a perfect life, died a death we deserved so that we could worship him forever and be transformed into his image every single day. And so if you have any questions about that, uh, we would love to talk to you about it um, after the service or um, anytime you can text one of those keyword numbers, you can come down uh, to the front when we have our time of response in a minute. But regardless of where you are on that spectrum, whether you have been a follower of Christ for 60 years or 60 minutes, that life transformation is a choice that we make every single day. And it is hard every time because we're fighting our flesh. And so let's take a time to respond. I'm gonna pray in a second and take some time to respond. Let's all um, examine our hearts and say, what parts of my heart have I hardened to life transformation? Well, we're really good at doing company cleanup in our lives, right? We shove everything that we don't wanna um, address in this moment in the closet, all right? But we have the rooms that the company can come into. That was, that was our lifestyle growing up, right? We, uh, we had the den, kitchen, dining room, everything else, just get it in there, close the door, and then stand there like this if anybody tries to go in, right? We do that in our spiritual lives all the time. What areas of our hearts are we not letting God speak into? What areas of our hearts are we not letting God transform our lives? Let's take some time. Let's respond to what God is saying to us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us on the cross. I thank you that that offers life transformation for us. I thank you for life transformation transformation that happened in big and small ways at D-Now. God, I pray that that transformation, whether big, small, or uh, somewhere in the middle, God, would just continue on past that week. And I pray for everybody in this room and who is watching online, 
God, we all have areas of our life that could be more surrendered to you. And so God, I pray for you to show us those things. I pray for you to show us ways that we can surrender more to you. God, that our act of transformational worship could be better. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. We love you and we praise you. And I pray all these things in your, in your son's name. Um, um, amen.